we're on two different sides yeah. of the movie. Like we're on two different sides of the movie. Like we agree maybe ninety percent of the time. Like that's just that's just what the show is about. I remember when we used to film this, like people thought we hated each other for a while. Like yeah. I don't hate each other. I just think Jacob's got shit taste in movies sometimes. It's okay. I mean, it is what it is. But welcome to another episode of Music City Drive-In. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we're going to break down the 2022 Sundance Film Festival, what we liked, what we didn't, our favorite performances, some disappointing films, and much more. As always, I'm joined by Jacob. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Tired. It's early, but ready to go. It is early. I don't know why. I just was like, let's do this show in the morning. Actually, I will blame one of our guests because I was like, what's your schedule? And then she tells me her schedule. I'm like, boom. All right, let's do the morning before everybody else. But I will say we have two ladies joining us who experienced Sundance with us. Uh, they'll be joining us, joining Jacob and I in the 2028 Team USA bobsled team now because they uh, we did a lot of bobsledding while we were at Sundance. But welcome to the show, Nicole and Josie. How are you guys doing? Wow, that was my favorite intro I've ever had on this show. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Try to spice it up a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I was like, I was trying to think of like what, um, what thing has like four people involved. I didn't know what it was. Like I was trying, bobsled's the only thing I thought of, you know what I mean? So I was like, I don't really know. That, you know, that's is, it three people? Like, is it three people? I don't know. You are Jacob, you're pushing, you're pushing the back. I don't know. <laughs> It's early, guys. It's early. It is. So how are we, how are we recapping from uh, Sundance here? Just tired. It was a <laughs> lot because I was doing so many different things at the same time. So Sundance was a yeah. bit intense. I feel I, I watched less films this year than last year. So I'm wearing that like, ah, oh, I feel hurt. But at the same time, I saw some good stuff that I like. So I call it a win. Yeah, you probably watched less films this year because it was set up very bad. Sorry yeah. if anyone from Sundance is listening. No. I mean, I, remember, the, I didn't realize I when they changed the timings for like the schedule. Oh. When they when they did the second round, I reserved all the tickets I had the first time. And then I realized like, oh, I have so many films at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. And you couldn't delete any of them. You couldn't move any of the screenings. Nope. You couldn't yeah. get rid of any. You couldn't change any. It's because I had a lot like I had fresh premiere, but they didn't change the time. So it was still at 1 a.m. for me and I'd work <laughs> at nine the next morning. Um, and so I was like, OK, I had the fresh premiere ticket and I had the second screening ticket. And I told myself, well, if I don't make the premiere, I'll just see the second screening. Well, I did make the premiere. And so I was like, oh, I can reuse the second screening for something else. Nope. Not allowed, I guess. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll talk yeah, about I that really, later, I guess. Like, they have the best setup, right? They, I wish all film studios would use their platform in order to watch yeah. films. Like, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I will give them credit. I mean, even the 15-minute opening that you have to watch, you don't have to watch it, obviously. But, like, you know. I love the land acknowledgement. Like, did I need to see it that many times? No. You can fast but forward through, obviously. It was, but. exactly. And it was, like, honestly, one of the best land acknowledgements I've ever seen. And, like, as a public mm -hmm. historian, I was super mm -hmm. excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was. And, but that was a slight disappointment was, because, like, when I realized I reserved two of the same films, I was like, oh, I'm going to do what I did last year and just click cancel. And then mm -hmm. it was like, no, just kidding. You're going to speak. You're stuck with two screenings of this two screenings of that i did it twice unfortunately like an idiot that i um yeah i didn't realize I until after times. the fact that you couldn't cancel so yeah i was with josie there i had scheduled everything i wrote it down i wrote it down in pen guys i wrote down a pen i had a calendar <laughs> set up everything was good to go my entire schedule was written out and they're like oh well we're not doing it virtual or we're only doing all virtual so let's change all the times so then i did exactly what she did i reserved all my movies and then realize, oh, all of them are either like one day or my second screenings are all like starting the same day as well. So like I've I think I only missed one of the movies that I reserved, which I was very happy. And that was after Yang, which I missed. And I I, I did get the award screening of it. So I'm going to watch that at okay. some point okay. over the next day or so. Um, that That's another thing that really bothered me was them doing the premiere screenings and the award screenings all under one like mm -hmm. bundle of tickets. Yeah. 
Because I think I, – I'm pretty sure last year they were like – Like whatever you had left over, right? Yeah. It was like you could use mm-hmm. like whatever you had um, you could use to that. And it's like this year I was like, well, I could have seen more premieres, but at the same time I knew there was going to be some awards movies I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And so like I had to like pick and choose. And it sucked that I couldn't use – because I had one second screening ticket left over. Um, so the, the last day of second screenings, my whole house decided to break down. And so I wanted to use a second screening ticket and you couldn't. So yeah, that was another issue I had. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was, yeah, I'm purposely left over. Well, actually I actually read, I don't ever read the fine print. Nobody ever does, but I did. And I said, where you can only use the premiere and the award ones on the award one. So I left three award movies left or like, so I was just like, I'm just going to second screen everything. Like whatever, everything is getting second screen unless it was something I really, really wanted. And there was like, did anybody have the issue of like being really excited about one of your premieres? And then it was just like, meh. Yeah. 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 So it's like, Oh, I I saved my premiere ticket for that movie. (laughs) Like, so. Yeah, I um I was an official press because I had not planned on doing much Sundance except that whenever it went all virtual, I was like, well, if everything's virtual, I can like buy some tickets. And then I spent way too much money. Um, but it's okay because I'm I'm getting some paid reviews out of it, so I think I'm breaking even. Um, yeah. But I was smart about it, and I scheduled all second screenings, which made my life a lot easier. Thank God. Um, but I'm like still catching up on everything and it like my it's so funny because I my grad school classmates were like how are you coping with like starting the new semester of grad school and doing Sundance and I was like I only saw 10 things and still the answer is not well (laughs) yeah I think I capped at 19 is where I'm at right now 19 movies watch I think that's where I'm at I have two more left to watch and um I'm hoping I'll get to them but I mean, it is what it is now. You know, what I mean? it's like it's one of those things where it's like I, I think I, I I run into the like Sundance is like the first film festival of the year, obviously, but it's the film festival that kind of like some films will. I I really don't see any of these films really being like super duper awards players. Maybe the documentaries or two, but like none of these movies really scream awards. And a lot of them are being purchased by streaming platforms, so their awards really i mean fresh is coming out in like a month you know what i mean their award window is gone it's periods like not that there i don't really know if there ever would have been but like personal awards like that's fine but like it was kind of it kind of blew my mind that it's just like you know a lot of them nothing really had in my opinion none of them really had that mass appeal to me even though i really didn't like you know i didn't really love it when i watched it at sundance but you know there's no film like on the count of three which is coming out soon I'm very, 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 very happy about this. I'm very, very, very excited about that, which I could talk about that movie. It's going to be in my top 10 movies of every year until it comes out. So hopefully soon. But I already put it, I already put it in my top 10 of this year, or my top like listed this year. It's it's my only one, I think, in my top 10 list of 2022 right now. So it was in my top 10 last year too, but it, it's because nobody would log into my account and delete it. So um, <laughs> With that being said, all right, so I want to uh, we're going to break down a couple different categories, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, least favorite, uh, best performances, and top three films for the festival. I think I sent that to all of you guys, so hopefully you're prepared. If not, I mean, just wing it. Like, that's, that's the point of the show, just wing it. Um, but we're going to kick it off with the biggest surprise, and I don't want this to be like a movie that maybe you did have logged in as premiere, so if you had it logged in as premiere or whatever, then just say it anyway, but just something that's kind of surprised you, and Nicole, I'll let you, I'll let you kick it off. Okay, I have two. I'm cheating a little bit. And they're both documentaries, actually. I saw a lot of docs at uh, Sundance this year. And one of them was Fire of Love, which I did not originally intend to see. Josie Josie was tweeting about it so much that I was like, oh, to hell with it. I'm going to book a ticket for it. And it has some of the most gorgeous visuals I've like ever seen on film. But more than that, I was just blown away by like what a touching story it is. Um, So that was like a huge surprise that I had not initially even intended to watch. And my other one, which I think I'm like probably this documentary's biggest fan, but it's Three Minutes of Lengthening, which is a really fascinating documentary. I've never seen anything like it. And to be fair, it's partially me being very biased because we literally had a discussion in one of my grad school classes that morning about like how to deal with um, whenever you have like not a lot of sources for something and like how to make the most out of sources that you do have. And Three Minutes of Lengthening is essentially this film that is about three minutes worth of footage of this 
uh, like Jewish village in Poland from like 1938, right before the war. Uh, and most of the people in the village were killed in the Holocaust. And so it's kind of about this guy found this footage in his like grandfather's closet um, and him trying to piece together what he can tell about the town and the people who lived there from just three minutes. And it's just like the most interesting thing. And, and um, it's also very eerie because it starts out with just playing the three minutes. And it's a very strange thing to watch sort of knowing what will occur to the people that you're seeing in it. I feel bad because I, I missed the, I missed, I didn't really watch like last year I watched. Okay. So I'll be honest last year. <laughs> I got a lot more access to some of the documentaries leading up to the festival. Um, which I won't talk about because I don't like slandering PR on the air, but I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't watch any documentaries, this film festival and I feel bad for it. I do, but like, I'm just kind of documentary out right now because I watched a lot towards the end of last year and I try to catch up on all the docket, especially the Oscar <laughs> one, but I almost did reserve the one that Josie kept on talking about, but I, I, I reserved something else instead, but I'll let that Josie, I'll let you go ahead and have the floor here. Biggest surprise for you. So actually, just a little bit on the documentaries, I felt like I enjoyed the documentaries more than the narrative films this time around, which was very surprising for me because I Sundance last year made me into more like appreciate documentaries more. So I was very happy with this year, which is why Fire of Love is my number one. <laughs> but my biggest surprise, I'm going to go with two films I didn't originally book, which are 892 and Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Um, 892, I really enjoyed the performances. There were times where I felt the story was like losing its, like, I don't know, you know, it got a little bit slow in the middle and you didn't know where it was going, but the performances just held you mm -hmm. so tight. And John Boyega was great and the entire cast. And then good luck to you, Leo Grand. Again, the performance is just so good and the chemistry and the way that all, like both films, the way all these actors just gave and took from each other creatively was just very nice to see. Ah, such a beautiful film. It was such a beautiful film. I, I loved it so much. Like I was trying to find places to put it in my list. Um, it was on my premiere list, so I didn't put it in my surprise list, but I have, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit later, but 892, man, that performance by Boyette, he was, God, whew, he was good. Uh, Jacob, surprises. Um, so I think my surprise might be similar to yours. Um, because last year when our hashtag J came out, I liked it. I didn't like, I liked love it, it. I, I thought, I thought the third act was the only part where it really fell apart, especially like the ending with not killing off Romeo and Juliet, which was so weird to me. Um, but then hearing that that director was coming back this year with a completely different style of film, I was like, okay, is this going to be something that like falls apart in the end or is this going to be something that actually makes it? And I think, I still think emergency has one of the best endings of any film at Sundance this year. It's one that like I was excited for, but I wasn't like clamoring for. Um, and it ended up being probably my second favorite from the festival. I thought it was fantastic. The performances, um, the ending, um, you know, it, in the middle parts a little bit, it got a little slow and it was kind of dragging for some of it. But I thought the beginning and the ending especially were spot on. Perfect. Yeah. So I didn't have emergency on my list only because I was slightly excited about it, but also I didn't watch it till yesterday. It was one of my award films that I picked. Uh, mine's going to be my biggest surprise was God's country. I had zero expectations for this movie and honestly, it blew me away. Like I had so many films on my most anticipated list. I didn't want to go there. I didn't plan on watching God's Country. I watched it because I ended up interviewing the director of the movie. So like, that's why I ended up collect selecting it as a second screening and I ended up being blown away by it. Then Dewey Newton, she's brilliant. The final shot is, is one that I just, I loved it. I love, actually I broke it down with the director as well, but it just was so, so good how they shot it. And of course the cinematography was just, the landscape is gorgeous, right? You know what I mean? The backdrop is gorgeous. I love this movie a whole lot. I can't, it reminds me of this year's, last year's land. It was kind of in that same tone, but not the same tone. Um, it talked about a lot of social commentary that we weren't, I was not expecting at all. Like I wasn't expecting it from this style of film 
And to know that the original story was on a sh based on a short about, a, it was supposed to be about a white man. And they changed the character over to a, a black woman in the country. And it was just like, it's so impactful. And it's one movie that just, it blew me away that I had no expectations for. Um, Josie, back to you, biggest disappointment. Oh boy. Um, biggest disappointment, I'm gonna have to say, called Jane and Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Oof. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she like, there with you. suddenly <laughs> said it, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> um, Cha-Cha Real Smooth was one that I did add. Um, I didn't have it the first time. And then the second time when we got to pick tickets again, I was like, let's add it. It's getting a lot of attention. It's getting a lot of buzz. I wanted it the first time, but I, again, I didn't get it. So I was like, yay. And then it's not a bad film. So <laughs> I'm not on a hate train. I just wasn't as moved as everyone else. And it came to the point that I was like, maybe I'm just not the right demographic for this. Um, and called Jane, it just felt very white. And they commented on it in the film. But it's like, is that all we're going to get? Especially considering the history of abuse towards black indigenous and people of color like women of color specifically when it comes to reproductive rights and gynecology specifically it was like give me more this this is the surface you're barely scraping the surface <laughs> how's one movie i really I, I liked it but also was like very underwhelmed by some of that story structure like like you said and it was like they had they have they have a great film there they do they just they just didn't execute it, and that was kind of what made me really kind of walk away like that's a power and and for what we're like what society is going through right now like that could have been the right now movie that that really could have like hit that storm really well and it just it kind of I mean it's I still think it has the opportunity to do that but it's also like disassociating itself with a major demographic that they really could have reeled in with that ah uh, Jacob disappointment. Uh, my biggest disappointment was probably the opening night film. Um, you know, last year the opening night film was Coda and we see what's happened with that. And this year, you know, a 24, uh, Jesse Eisenberg written, directed Julianne Moore, Phil Wolfhard in it. Like it really had everything to be very good and it ended up being just okay. Um, and I think a lot of what Josie was saying about Call Jane, I felt here where it's like, it really tried to like, it acted like it was going to touch on a lot of things, but it just was so surface level that like, there were a lot of relatable parts, especially between Finn and Julianne, like the whole mother-son dynamic. Um, and I liked the ending. It was just to get to the ending was such a journey. And there were cer like certain scenes that I liked, like the scene when he is the scene when he's playing her poem on his guitar, I was like, I really like this scene, but at the same time, like he's just stealing her song and I like trying to pass it on. And yeah, it just, it was one I was really looking forward to um, really looking forward to. And it just kind of fizzled out to where it was like an okay to like good movie that wanted to be great. It just wasn't there. I forgot about that movie. Like I literally forgot. Yeah. I've watched I it and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I did really want to see that movie. And oh, it really was mediocre. I forgot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say people have stopped talking about it, so I think it says a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's the second consecutive movie that Eisenberg had something to do with that was very mediocre at Sundance. But um we won't talk I about it still the worst cameo I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> was Eisenberg in Eisenberg. Wild Indian. Um, yes. Oh, what a terrible movie. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go next. My biggest blah, blah, blah. My biggest disappointment of the festival was Duel. Um, what an incredible premise, okay? Really love the idea. And they literally, the movie's name is Duel. It's literally named Duel. They open with a duel, and you're super excited because it was pretty fucking cool. And then they build this movie, which I think Aaron Paul is one of the worst actors. I've Like, he's just terrible. Like, he is, 
I have not seen him in anything good outside of, of Breaking Bad that I don't even want to revisit Breaking Bad because maybe in my head he was good and maybe he was really terrible. Who knows? But he was awful in this. And Karen Gill, she can't carry a film by herself. I'm sorry. She's great in Jumanji. And um, and I forget that. What's the uh, gunpowder milk? Was it gunpowder milkshake? Is that what it's yes. called? I really like that too. Like maybe she's great in ensemble cast. I don't know. But this movie was downright awful. And everybody was like, oh, well, did you like the art of self-defense? Yes, I love the art of self-defense. And that's the same director-writer. And this was just a massive letdown. You spend an hour and whatever, how long, I don't know, the movie felt like five hours. But like you spend this hour building up this duel, and the duel never happens. It fucking never happens, okay? I wanted to see the duel. I was like, look, this 45-minute, an hour window that you built with this terrible acting, I would have been okay with it if you would have gave me the fucking duel. You didn't give me the duel. So, you know what? Fuck that movie. So, and anybody liked it, your taste in film is weird. So, I don't know. I'm surprised Jacob didn't like it. That's why I was like, this is a movie he's probably going to love and I'm going to fight with him about it. But I don't think he watched it, so. That that was one. So, I didn't get to that many Sundance films this year because, of course, like, every, or at least Ricky knows that one day would be like 50 degrees and the next day would be down to like 10. And a couple of days ago on like the last day of second screenings when I was going to sit down, watch everything, my pipes burst. And so I was like calling plumbers, calling um, the uh, municipal area, trying to get my water shut off. So that happened like while I was watching uh, my old school, that documentary and then everything expired. So yeah, so I didn't get to as many this year because like I said, my house was trying to like fall in on me. Uh, so yeah, I didn't get to that one. What's more important, your house falling in or movies? Come on, get your priorities together here, Jacob. I know, I know. I should have, I should have. You could have been watching the movie it. as it caved in on you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that would have been a story. All right. Like that could have been your story. I'm, <laughs> I love you. Nicole. So I watched um, three movies about abortion at Sundance this year, and two of them were really good, uh, really moving, really, you know, sort of eye-opening films. And then there was Call Jane, um, which I also felt was super surface level, took maybe the weirdest, um, most boring route into it that it possibly could have, had sort of like the blindside vibes to me. Um I didn't think it was super well acted. I like, I'm going to be writing my review of it later today and I'm super excited to go into all the ways in which I think it failed epically. Um, but my biggest thing is it also was like a strangely cheerful movie to be a movie about abortion. Um, yeah, I just feel like it absolutely like did not understand the gravity of the subject or something. It feels way too sanitized and it feels like it's trying to like, appeal to the widest possible demographic and not make them uncomfortable, which I'm so sorry, but a film about abortion should make you uncomfortable. Like particularly one about people restricting access to it. Like that shouldn't be a fun watch. Um, so I am gonna just say like with Cole Jane being my biggest disappointment, I do highly recommend Happening, which is a French film um, about a teenager in the 1960s getting an abortion. And uh, I also really recommend The Janes, which is a documentary about the same group that Call Jane is about, uh, but it goes into like the actual history of the group and it's a much better film in every way. All right, sorry about that. I had a cough and then I was like, I'm gonna unmute myself to cough for some reason. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our least favorite film of the festival, um, Nicole, back to you. So I watched this documentary and, you know, do you ever watch something and you like kind of have a feeling it's going to be bad, but you want to see if it's like as much of a disaster as you think it's going to be? Because that was me with Tick, uh, TikTok Boom, um, which is a documentary. Ricky got so excited for just one second. He was like, is, is she going to say it? Please, I'm wearing look, this. Look, okay. when I first saw the, when I first saw, I thought it was like the worst person in the world. Like, I thought it was going to make, was it going to debut at Sunday? I was like, what is this? Like, why? Like, what is, like, what are we doing <laughs> yeah, here? No. Then I realized it's about TikTok. So it's a documentary about TikTok. And I was like, this could either be interesting or it could be really dumb. Um, and the thing about it is, like, 
if you're gonna make a documentary about TikTok, I think you need to do it in some sort of like innovative way uh, that sort of like matches the energy of TikTok. And it didn't. But also if you've like been on TikTok or read the news over the past two years, you already know everything in this documentary. Um, it kind of just goes over the fact that like it came out of China. People were really concerned about like privacy and data. Um, Mark Zuckerberg got really up in arms about it, but turns out it's because he had tried to buy t uh, Musical.ly. Um, there was nothing new. I thought it had like a very simplistic sort of, again, very surface level view on everything. Um, and I feel like if you just talk to someone who actually uses TikTok, you could get like a much better idea of, of what's going on with the whole situation. So I thought it was really bad. I would not be surprised if it like doesn't end up getting distributed. Interesting. I, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, I have zero interest in this because unless it's going to tell me how to get more views on my TikTok videos, I really yeah. don't care. <laughs> like, I just, you know, outside well, of my mom liking my, you know, my mom liking my TikTok videos, which she's not on TikTok, but still, like, you know, I what like I mean? your TikTok like, videos. Oh, thank you, okay. thank you, mom. Um, <laughs> that's that's an old joke for you. Whenever I can throw the old joke <laughs> away, just for once in my life. Um, yeah, Josie. Let's see. If I'm going by my letterboxed list of my Sundance ranked, the one at the bottom is Alice. Um, I was oddly excited for this, not because of the premise, but because of the cast. I was Same. like, this is the last time I watch a film based solely on my excitement for a cast. Um, there is a lot to unpack here that I can't get to all of it, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, Kiki Palmer was giving it her all, and it did not match the caliber like her the caliber she was at. It did not match the film. Um, I think the most exciting part was that this was filmed in Savannah, so some scenes I was like, "Hey, I used to live right by that," so <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Jacob? Uh, my worst is also my most disappointing when you finish Saving the World. Um, just very hollow of a movie that really, like, with everything it was touching on, it, like, it felt like it wanted to be, like, this, like, moving and um, emotional and, like, groundbreaking thing, and it just wasn't. Um, again, it was good. I mean, it was fine. It just wasn't, like... It wasn't what it felt like it was, I think. Yeah, so there's a few movies that I felt like there was a lot of just okay movies at Sundance this year. Like they were oh they were movies, right? You know what I mean? They're fine mm -hmm. movies. You know, and that's and that's, that's what great. I like last year. Yeah. And that's great. But uh one that stood out to me the most that I really hate it, and I don't know there's literally the <laughs> I'm the same page. This is like the reason I hated it. it was the same reason like Josie hated her. I really like love John Berthal, okay? All right. I love that man a lot. And I endured Sharpstick for that man. And um, you had such a beautiful, positive conversation around sex and good luck to Leo Grande. That was just a beautiful film. Like sex does not have to be fresh. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like centered around like just this whatever. And, and Sharpstick takes it and just goes the complete opposite and and like i don't even know like i oh god like it's just terrible like it was the entire film is bad like the entire film is bad like i stuck around just to watch john bernthal like like i literally just stuck around for him and it was the only time i think in the entire festival where i almost turned the movie off and i ended up just sticking it through because i didn't i don't even know if i ended up reviewing it just because it was no maybe i did but i just think i it was such a I think I watched it after Big Luck uh, or Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. And watching it after that or close to it, it was just like these two polar opposite films about this. And like, I think an important topic. I think that we over sexualize things, but if you have a comfortable conversation about it, it can be uh, meaningful and powerful, just like Good Luck was. And, and this was just, I don't know. It was terrible. I love you still, though, John. I do. I do. I love you. And this should show my love for you. Um, all right, so best performance. I, I had quite a few, um, and I'll kick it off here. So for me, first off, I think the like the person of the festival was Regina Hall. Like 
for me, 1000%. I really loved her performance in Master. Another movie that was good, that could have been great, that just kind of went somewhere in the in the middle. And then my one of my personal favorites, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, was Hunk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. God, I love that movie. So good. <laughs> Cannot recommend it enough. Don't know when it'll come out, but her and Sterling K. Brown were fantastic. Um, RJ and Donald, Emergency, love those two. Great performances. Um, Sebastian Stan, obviously, and Fresh. Um, God, what a performance. Um, just what, what a man. I don't even know. Uh, almost too good. Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it's one of those, like, it's like whenever you watch, and I can't pinpoint it right now, I can't name anybody, but like when you watch a movie and it's like, holy cow, like you could see like that being real life in a him and it's just like, it, it's creepy, which is a, a testament to his craft, but also very terrifying if you ever like are in alone in a room with Sebastian Stan and he gives you those eyes, you're like, whoa, <laughs> like, I don't Josie, know. Josie, I need to send you this picture of Sebastian Stan real quick. <laughs> no, it's funny. I'll expose myself. I do have a, tw- a tweet in my drafts that's basically like, Sebastian Stan and Fresh is the female gaze and I am concerned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't need to talk about how my, my reaction to him that movie, like, should have turned at a certain point in the film. <laughs> it didn't. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. And no. that is concerning. Mimi Cave, I'm sending you my therapy bill. I told I told Nicole like early on, I said, there's a scene where he's like chopping up a body and dancing. And I was like, you're not gonna make it out. <laughs> now that's <It's>... camp. <laughs> that is camp. Isn't it crazy? Like that's like that, to me personally, like that's a testament to how good of an like this is easily, in my opinion, like the best performance I've ever seen this man in. Oh, it was a good performance. Like, it, and you're right. It's so matter of fact that it's scary, but at the same time, like it was just brilliant. Like it's not easy to pull that role off either because in this movie, like you said, it's such a hateable character. You're supposed to hate this man, and I felt more and more in love with this character as this movie progressed, and it's like. Again, it's just a, a, a testament. I think it's a testament to the writing as well. I thought the writing was phenomenal in this. Like it's because it really highlights this scariness of online dating and all that stuff. And like we live in a world where online dating is terrible. And it, and like women do fear that this actually can ha- like Sebastian Stan really does have it. A very good looking man uh, uh, who and then just. No, there was a story that went viral a long time ago about this person that went on a Tinder date and then the person took them home because something had happened to their drink and they were tired and then they wake up in the middle of the night and hear stuff downstairs in the living room. When they go downstairs, everything is covered in plastic. Nope. I was like, nope, nope. (laughs) We're, we're never doing dating apps. Right, <laughs> <laughs> just deleting them all. Nope. Like if you don't watch Fresh and delete all your d- dating apps, then I don't know. Like maybe, or you're just searching for your Sebastian Stan. I, I don't know. Like maybe. Okay, listen. The, the men I see on dating apps, <laughs> exactly. The men I see on dating apps do not look like Sebastian Stan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've got I've got two more. Dale McCormick. Where has he been my entire life? Like he was phenomenal in Good Luck to You. Like. I seriously like I, I love Emma Thompson. I, I'm a, I just love her. I think she's amazing, and I think she was great in this. But de- like, it does not work without him. Like, he's brilliant in this film, and I love their dynamic. But like, he should be in so many more things after this. Like, he should have a star rise after this performance because it was just brilliant. And then, of course, I mean, I gotta talk about John Boyega. He's just a ninety two. Like, hello. Like just watch you watch that movie for his performance alone. Even like Josie, I agree with Josie. It meandered a little bit in the middle, and but still, I loved it. Um, Josie performances definitely to highlight from eight ninety two. Also, like Nicole Bahari and Seleni Slava. Um, also, just to give because I agree with everything you mentioned. Two names I want to shout out are definitely Teresa Sanchez from Dos Estaciones, who won the award for best performance at Sundance. And also Mia Maestro from The Cow Who Sang a Song Into the Future. Mm-hmm. I thought they were both really great. Yep. Jacob? Uh, yeah, so I was, um, since you took a lot of mine, um, I was going to say uh, Mia. I don't want to try to butcher the last name. Um, 
but yeah, I thought she was she was fantastic in the cow. Um, and I don't remember if she had like any dialogue. Like she, if she did, it was very few, which is just like incredible to me. Um, some more Daisy Acre Jones, of course, for Fresh. Uh, she was, I mean, she was phenomenal. Um, I have to shout out my Cha Cha uh, members, Cooper and Dakota. Loved both of them, Dakota especially. She was so just very like tenderly subtle and nuanced, and it was just beautiful. Um, and Colin Farrell for After Yang was very, very good. It might be one of my favorite Colin Farrell performances in general. Um, I just thought he was he was very quiet and very subtle, and it was like very self-reflective type of movie, and I thought he was just fantastic. Nicole? Okay, going to echo some that other people have said, and then I have my favorite performances when nobody's mentioned. But um, obviously, I love Sebastian Stan and Fresh. I think it's like a really fun performance while also being really chilling. And also, he gets to do the three things that he does best, which is be charming, act crazy, and cry. Um, I also thought that Daisy Edgar Jones was so great in that movie. I think that she like does a really good job of keeping it feeling grounded uh, in a way that allows him to be more camp without losing the realism of it. Um, and I think that like she does a really good job too of seeing like the audience is also still kind of charmed by him and you see her struggling with that, even though it's not even really there in the dialogue as much. Uh, I also thought Dakota Johnson was great in uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. The woman is having like a year, uh, a two year period. Um, she's doing great things. I'm really, really excited to see people like taking her seriously as an actress um, and her sort of getting past the, you know, bias around her having been in the Fifty Shades movies. Um, Which, by the way, then, she's very good in those movies. Like, I'm not, yeah. she's a, she does some good acting. And like, just because, like, we don't we don't say Jennifer Lawrence like Hunger Games like I mean we've gotten over that you know and don't get me wrong she's good in Hunger I Games mean, too but come Hunger on Games. it's been a while well, it it feels like the same weird bias that people still carry against like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart for doing Twilight even and though I think like, Dakota right and, and I think that like Dakota Johnson is probably better in the Fifty Shades movies than they are in Twilight like you can kind of tell how much they don't care about Twilight but um but that's fine but in any case I love to see an actor sort of be able to like move past that. But my favorite performance actually was Bill Nye in the film Living, um, which is very much a showcase of his acting. He's an actor that I think is really fantastic. And he typically does more like humorous work, especially as of late. Um, and I love to see an actor, you know, sort of of that age get to give a performance like this. And I think that he's so moving. It's such a restrained while still emotive performance, which I think is like really fascinating. And I really loved Living overall. I think that's one that like, if there are Sundance movies that could end up nominated for Oscars, that actually is one because you've got like uh, Bill Nye's performance, gorgeous costumes, that sort of stuff. It's, it's sort of your, it is the like British period film to be at Sundance, but it's a really, really beautiful one. And he gives, a really moving performance about a man, you know, who finds out that he doesn't have much longer to live. Didn't Sony Pictures classic buy it too, right? I think Sony bought it, yeah. So he'll have to get in on just the merit of not being promoted by Sony Pictures Classic, basically. Like, that's the only way I'll ever get he can, in. He can run his own campaign. I exactly. have full faith in him. <laughs> I love we talk about Dakota Johnson here. And before we move on to our top three movies from the festival, I will say that she was much better in MIOK, which is the much superior film to Cha-Cha. But, you know, I'm keeping my Cha-Cha slander down to a minimum. But um, it was just okay. Um, it's adorable, right? You know what I mean? Like when you watch Coda, it's adorable. Like you watch Cha Cha, it's like oh, it's a cute movie, and it's like my, my roommate. And I'm be honest, and I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry, and I know you said this, but I personally thought Cooper was awful. Like I think he's such a just a fucking like he's just an okay act. Like he just skated by in that performance. I didn't. I wasn't wowed. I wasn't any like like no offense like. It was fine. Like, it's a fine movie. Like, if somebody says, what do you think of Cha-Cha? I'm not going to say it's bad. It's a fine movie. It's cute. My, it's very hallmarky. My roommate was so against watching it. 
And I was like, no, like, I, I swear, I know you'll like it. I know you'll like it. And then we watched it and like, they've like cried some, but they, she was like sobbing, sobbing. And I've never seen her like cry this much. I just like, no offense. Like I just, from what? <laughs> I need from someone everything. to sit me down. I need someone to sit me down with like a full PowerPoint and explain to me. I'll have, I'll have a, I'll have a 30, 30 slide. 30 um, slides. Yeah. 12 like, point I can, I can do that. Don't, don't tip yeah. me. <laughs> single, single spaced. Single spaced. No also, pictures. Ricky, Ricky, I think you need to watch some actual Hallmark movies because I think you're overestimating. Yeah, Hallmark yeah, Lifetime, they're true. all the same. They're like the same, but no, like Hallmark not. Lifetime. No, um, as someone whose family watches Hallmark movies. Uh, um, what's the other one? Is it Hallmark? What's the other one? I don't know. I don't know. I feel the same way about Cooper's performance. Like you guys, I, and don't get me wrong. I like Amelia Jones. She's not even my favorite performance in Coda. Like not even remotely close. Um, and I for, I'm blanking on his name right now. Josie can save me. Um, Cause he's on that one uh, Apple TV show. That's really funny. Um, what's his name? Damn it, Josie. You, we talked about it. Hang on. Wait. <laughs> I got to pull up Coda now because now I'm annoyed. I don't remember his name. No, I'm just thinking about Troy Kutzer. Oh, Daniel. Daniel? No. Who? Oh, Who? Uh, Gino. G uh, Derbez. He was amazing. I loved oh, him. Oh, Hanya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him. I thought he was my. He's my favorite part of the entire movie. And yeah, I, I loved him. And I'm so sad he fell off the face of the earth when it came to the conversation of this film because he was so good. The glue. Him and Troy Kotzer were my favorites. Yes, I love Troy Kotzer too. But like, he was the glue that kind of held um, uh, Ruby's character together, in my mm -hmm. opinion. I just like he just has fallen off the face of the earth when it comes to the conversation about the movie, which really just bothers me. Yeah. But all right, enough about the Hallmark movies. All right. So, uh, and I have seen Hallmark movies and, and it's just a, it's a blanket statement, but Coda is, feels very like, I don't even, which one lifetime is the one that everybody dies. Hallmark's just a feel good movie. Okay. Actually one more point about Coda before we move on here. So listen, do you ever watch like on a Friday a random Netflix movie drops and it's like man that's like cute like it was a cute movie like it was charming you liked it it's very easy watch like if Coda would have been dropped on a Friday on Netflix and like nobody like nobody would have known about it it would have had the same reaction like I just I it's fine like it's fine guys there were a lot of movies probably Belfast would have had the same reaction I saw oh, like a baby watching Coda huh yeah. I stopped like a baby watching. Oh, I cried during, yeah, I cried during Hallmark movies. Like I cried. I'm not gonna say I didn't cry. Okay, like I cried. Like the scene on the back of the truck. Holy shit! Bald like a baby. <laughs> Bald like a baby. But just because I cry doesn't mean it deserves an Oscar. I mean, it deserves a nomination. <laughs> for, well, yeah. I mean, it deserves the win. It deserves yeah, it deserves a nomination. Tick, tick, boom, tick, tick, boom for the win. Okay. I mean, I'm getting kicked I, out. I can't, I can't say anything <laughs> about tick, tick, boom. I, I, I don't watch it on his phone. I, I yeah. know. I watch it on my phone. Okay. okay. Some of us watch things on our phone. I, I watched it. That. Yeah. But I watched it at 6 a.m. on my phone in LA at a Starbucks. Nope. No opinions. <laughs> so I can't form an opinion on it. But, I did like unless uh, the diner opened up like the diner scene. No, no I watched it in a theater, so I think I was spoiled. Same, same. I was supposed to watch it in a theater, but I was in LA. So, all right, top three movies from the festival, Nicole. Okay, um, I'm gonna cheat and give my top three movies and then my top documentary, um, because my top documentary is definitely three minutes a lengthening. It was something unlike anything I'd ever seen before, and also. As a public history student, I was like super geeking out. Um, it's also not super long, which was another thing I loved at Sundance this year was how many films were like under two hours. Um, yeah, I which also was just nice whenever you're trying to fit in a bunch of movies. But also I think that um, most movies that are over two hours don't actually need to be. I'm not opposed to a long film that deserves it. But I, I think that there's a real art to getting a film at like 90 minutes. Thank you, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Um, but then my top three are Living. I already said before, I thought it was a really beautiful film. It's a remake of like a 1952 Japanese film. Um, but I think like one of the few remakes that really warrants it because it, it like totally re transports it to a different place. And, and, um, it's a, a really interesting sort of look at someone realizing that they don't have very long left to live and, and realizing that they've not been living at all. 
uh, and Bill Nye is just fantastic. It also has um, Amy, I think her name's Amy Lou Wood, uh, who is phenomenal in it too. Uh, Fresh is one of my other ones. Obviously, I love Fresh. I thought it really got at like the heart of women's fears around dating, um, but at the same time was super like fun uh, and also very chilling. Like I think it, it really walked a nice balance. And I know a lot of people were sort of disappointed that it didn't like say more. I don't think it was trying to be some sort of like feminist like thesis on uh, dating or something. I think it was just trying to make some commentary and, and explore an interesting premise. And I think it did that. It kind of drags towards the end. Um, but I thought the performances sort of across the board were really strong too. Uh, and then my favorite was Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Um, I think part of it has to do with like watching it as someone who ever since graduating college has sort of been floundering. Um, obviously I've ended up in grad school twice. I'm floundering. Uh, <laughs> I really connected with a lot of it and, and also, um, just thought some of the themes that it explored were really interesting. I love anything that has like a good sibling dynamic is really going to get me. Uh, and this one has like a really cute family sort of element to it as well. And I just thought that there was a lot of, of really strong performances too, and really interesting characters. Um, and it's one that like, I will feel really comfortable sort of recommending to people whenever it actually releases. You touched on a great point. I forgot to mention this earlier because I cannot like rant and rave enough about these hour and 30 minute movies. Like it was beautiful. And yep. it's not somebody, I'm not somebody that is opposed to a two hour movie or a three hour movie. If it's, if it's, if it's needed, if it's done right. Like if I at any point feel like this movie's dragging, then it should not have been two and a half hours. Like it just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like there's certain films that, that can make you feel things for two and a half hours and certain writers. and directors. Uh, like, like I will defend Titanic's right to be as long as it is, like until the absolutely. day I die. Yes. But most movies are not Titanic. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like these were like an hour, like whenever I would look at the run times and it was like hour 25, I'm like, this is like beautiful. Like it's a beautiful thing. Like it's yeah. hour 30. Like, okay, cool. Like I'm I good. Think three minutes of lengthening was like an hour and 11 or something like that. I was like, Oh yeah. hell yeah. Like that's another thing. documentary shouldn't be two hours long. Like they should never be two hours. Long. Unless I'm you were showing me something in real time. Exactly. <laughs> like, it does not be that. Or unless it's fire of love and you're just watching volcanoes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. He yep. just left. I, I don't. Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's the thing. Like nobody is slandering, like nobody's slandering long movies. There's just some movies don't need to be three hours long. You know? Every movie needs to be it. four, five, six. I mean, if every movie's cut by Ridley Scott, it will be. So there are exceptions, and not to be a Marvel apologist, but I do accept Marvel films being two hours or something. Because if you do anything yeah. less, then there is no development. Mm hmm. I agree with that. Like, think, even Endgame, yeah. Endgame felt a little bit long, but the entire time I'm like, holy shit, I'm here. Like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm invested. Endgame did not feel long in the way that House of Gucci felt long, tell you that much. I think with the Marvel movies, too, it's like, you can either get a two and a half hour to where it, like, tells you the whole thing, or they're going to have to break it up into <laughs> two movies, which never, not never, but doesn't usually work. Like, this was me during, like, <laughs> half the... Uh, a two and a half hour movie. Like this was me during the Irishman. No, that was me towards the end of Sundance. <laughs> that no, was me yeah, this that morning. Was me. That was that's that actually was that's actually Ricky when the podcast goes over an hour. <laughs> oh no! Every we're getting there. No, we're not. We're at forty-eight minutes and thirty seconds. Get your shit together, <laughs> okay? All right. Speaking of which, now, uh, top three movies from the festival, Jacob. Um. So I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go fresh. Um, I really liked Fresh, and it was between Fresh or After Yang, and I saw Fresh a second time. Um, and I I just love a lot of what Mimi Cave brought. Um, I love a lot of what Sebastian Stan brought. Um, I just thought it was told really well. Super, you know. Some people might say it's over stylized. I thought it was kind of perfect. Um, I loved a lot of the shots, a lot of the kind of natural chaos that was brought. The only thing I didn't like, the ending did start like getting more into a slasher movie, um, which I mean, it's fine. Like, it's not like that ruined it for me, but it just like, it felt like they kind of fell apart with their like 
with like the writing and they were like, okay, how do we end this? Let's just kill everybody. Um, and so, and so uh, that was like my one issue with it. Um, my number two was emergency. Um, like I said earlier, probably still one of my favorite endings of the year, a really like thought provoking ending. Um, I thought um, Donald Elise Watkins, that like last 25 minutes of his performance. I mean, my God, I like that. He, his scenes of like him just staring into the camera and crying. I was like, get this man in a Jordan Peele movie as fast as possible because he has such a great, like just stare into the camera. Um, and I think it's like, he, that was just, uh, just like his last performance was incredible. And then my number one is cha-cha, not really a surprise. Um, I love cha-cha. I thought it was, I just thought it was beautiful. I thought the performances were beautiful. I loved the story. I loved how it talked about, you know, mental health disorders, bipolar disorders, depression. I loved, um, I was worried about the, the, or the addition of, um, the autistic daughter. And I thought it even like, even with that, like it didn't, it never played down to her. It always, you know, it always had an intimate kind of look into her and treated her as a person. And, you know, even the line in the movie where it's like, he's, he won't treat me like a baby. Like, I don't think he did that. Like he really like was able to do all these, like the family dynamic, the longing to be, you know, someone older Whereas Dakota Johnson was longing to be someone younger. And it was just like that whole back and forth between them. Um, I just thought, I thought it was a beautiful movie. I thought it was very well-made directed. Um, the script was incredible. It's just, um, I've been saying it, it feels like the spiritual sequel to eighth grade. And, you know, for people who know me, that's my all time favorite movie. So yeah, cha-cha real smooth. It, it just did it for me. I wish I could explain it more, but it just, I just felt everything. Josie, top three. Now, I did like eighth grade, so I will give you that. <laughs> um, my number three is uh, God's Country. Um, I just love that final shot. And regardless of everything that it's trying to discuss. I just like how in terms of story structure, it just elevates everything to a point where the ending does feel earned. And I just hate that I could see that death coming hurt, but it was necessary. So she could finally get what she needed, which was peace. And she gets it and you see that final end. And I'm like, welcome to the good for her universe. Um, my number two is good luck to you, Leo Grand. What can I say? It's just, you rarely see movies where emotional intimacy is discussed as being as important as physical intimacy. So I value this film so, 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 so much on a personal level. And then Fire of Love, of course, is my number one, just because it's a love story. Inserts, um, Fleabag reference. This is a love story. And... It's just a beautiful showcase of life, love, and just mortality through volcanoes. And just also the fact that their sacrifice contributed so much to what we have today in terms of evacuation and what we know about gray volcanoes. So, and also they died together and that's just my heart. <laughs> Me being the terrible host that I always am, I always forget to check the comments sometimes, but good luck to Rio Grande, Master, Cha-Cha in that order. Movie started fresh, then stale by the end. I disagree with that statement, but here we are. Um, I do think that movie could have probably like saved, shaved like maybe 10 minutes and that would have been okay. I, I didn't think they knew what to do with the end, which I was fine with. I don't really care. I just loved it so much. <clears throat> my top three, um, God's Country really came close to my top three, but still like there's there was five, in my opinion, five really, really good movies that I really enjoyed in this, in the festival that I felt like were stood apart. And, uh, but my top three is Hung for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Um, the way that it touches on the megachurch in a way that is brilliantly done. It's very, 
satire at some times, but it's also very like deeply profound and trying to find yourself. Like Regina Hall just blew me away in this film. Um, good luck to you. Uh, it, it was, it's my number two. I love this movie. And I also love the positive conversation it has around the idea of escorts and stuff. Like it's a very positive conversation about what the possibilities that are there. And, and I don't really care. Like I, to me, I, it's my opinion, obviously I don't really care how you feel either way on that subject. But for me, like it's a very uh, sex positive film. Like we don't have a lot of sex positive films in society that I really feel like you could sit down and watch and, and really learn and grow from. And to me, it really hit that one right on the head. And Fresh is my number one. Um, I liked Fresh just because it was different. It was unique. It was, um, it's equally parts haunting. And I really feel like a lot of the love comes from the writing for me. I thought the writing was so well done. And part of it felt like it was like a personal experience within the writing that maybe not have, you know, went, not have went that far. But uh, Sebastian Stan gave like a, 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 it's a chilling performance. It really is. It's, it's uh it's not an easy role to pull off, in my opinion, and and what he does is nothing short of remarkable. And and that to me is just like I love weird movies, and I think that's borderline weird, especially if you're talking about consuming human body parts. But if you can make me love you, regardless of how disgusting you are, then that's a testament to the performance. And I just love Fresh. I do, and it's just yeah, like it was just a. Overall, very solid festival. Also, I uh, want to shout out Lucy and Desi. If you want to watch a movie about two remarkable human beings that aren't uh, shed in a terrible light because they're played by two terrible human beings in a movie, don't watch Being the Ricardos. Watch Lucy and Desi on March 4th on Amazon Prime. Yeah, um, I just want to retweet that real quick. As someone who grew up on I Love Lucy, I felt like it was uh, cleansing for me yes. to watch Lucy and Desi after Being the Ricardos. Yeah, I never finished reading The Ricardos, but Lucy and Desi had me crying. And I, I personally yes. did not grow up with I Love Lucy, but I know the impact. I've studied them. I took comedy writing and TV history. Of course, they're there. And it pays a very good homage to them and their contributions as well. It gives respect to Desi, despite, of course, the problems they had in their marriage. They still respected each other. And also that moment where she's being recognized, you're just like, damn. Yeah, and I think the great conversation surrounding that film is is understanding their impact on like the TV world. Like Lu Lucy, Lucy Ball was like way before her time. Like mm -hmm. she was a prominent TV fixture. But even they let you know and say, "Hey, you have to like." She had to work eighteen hours a day to keep her spot. Like, mm -hmm. and, and it touches on the pregnancy. Like she was more concerned about being pregnant, like losing her spot, than she was like. And I didn't realize that Desi was like one of the first forefront of the rerun. Like I didn't know that like that was his, I like he came up with the idea of like, well, let's just run reruns while she's away with like, it's those two people were brilliant. And, and I don't think like to me personally, I don't think there should have ever been a movie made about them. Like you could make document like a documentary and Amy Pollard, let them be the star, right? Mm -hmm. Most documentaries, you have the commentary from the people that makes it feel like they're more important than the actual conversation about the people. And a lot of the story is told in the, the words of both Lucy and Desi and yeah. the impact those two had on, like they're brilliant. Like they're brilliant actors and people and, and it's just, yeah. I don't yeah, know. which if I can add real quick, just shout yeah. out to Amy Poehler because I think yes. she did such a great job with this documentary and I was excited to see it because of that because I've rarely been able to see her do anything other than like from the comedy standpoint so to see her at the helm and just being able to craft something so nice and well presented and touching was very refreshing yeah well i can also see that like this is a difference between like aaron sorkin doing a movie about lucille ball and mm -hmm. a woman in comedy doing yeah. a movie about like the most prominent woman in comedy so i definitely could see that it's like a more like I, I, I could I could see Amy Poehler wanting to put in the work a little yeah, more. That was literally it. I, f I was so excited because it was her, because she is a woman yeah. of comedy, as you mentioned. And that was the thing that I was craving the most watching being the cars was that female perspective. And this just felt so well taken care of through her visual idea. 
And again, I, I didn't finish reading the Ricardos because it just felt like, it, again, Aaron Sorkin goes for these cutthroats, kind of direct kind of approaches when this is not that kind of story. Yeah. But it's not, it shouldn't be about the drama. It should be about the love and the respect that was there, despite, again, those problems that were had in their relationship and those bumps in the road. And I think Amy Poehler balanced it out really well. It was really cool to see the scene, the actual scene of like, Desi really came to her rescue during that whole Kami thing. And like, it was cool to see it more realistic than what we saw a more flamboyant Hollywood version of it that Sorkin gave us. And I love how she touched on it, but didn't let it define the story, right? Like Sorkin let that story define the movie. And it was just like, you have these two characters, these two actors uh, um, and comedians and just like smart individual. Like Desi was so smart. Like it just, he's a smart human being. Like he was a very brilliant man. And, and yeah, they had their issues, but Amy Poehler didn't let that define these characters in this documentary. So I loved it. All right, um, Nicole, give me some plugs before we go. Okay, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. I've got like a full ranking and a list on Letterboxd of what I saw at Sundance. Uh, if you want to check that out, at Nicole Ackman 16. I also have a link tree in all those places to everywhere that I write and podcast so you can check out what I'm doing and find all of my Sundance reviews as they get released. Josie? You can find me at the Josie Marie on Twitter and Letterboxd. And I also have a my Sundance ranked list on my Letterboxd. I, I, I don't know what it was, but like every time either one of y'all said you can find me, I just felt like St. Louis. Like I was really like in the Nelly mood <laughs> right there, but uh, it is what it is. All right, folks, head on over to the Music City Drive-In. Uh, we had a great host of four individuals covering Sundance, and that was fantastic, led by Jacob. Um, follow Jacob on Twitter at tberry57, myself at Ricky Blair underscore. Make sure to go over to the bananameter.com just because it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, but folks, thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. We passed an hour. Shut up. We did.